Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, and welcome once again, everybody, for joining me live tonight on the show. Very, very excited. I know you're all um, probably sick and tired of, of sitting around and not being able to, to get out and enjoy uh, as much. And, um, and uh, some of you that uh, are not able to work, uh, our thoughts and prayers with you. Uh, hopefully this thing will, will end sooner than later and everybody can get back to uh, a sense of normalcy. But in the meantime, I'm glad that you guys uh, joined us tonight and are tuning into the broadcast. We've got a great show for you. As mentioned, uh, I'm going to be introducing the uh, Coach's Corner panel here in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, my uh, special guest is Dave Schultz. He's the CEO of NextLinks. Uh, he's actually been on the show, uh, hasn't been on for a few years, but he's come back and we've got some very interesting things to, uh, to chat about tonight on the show. So I'm very excited to have him back and uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue that conversation uh, and sort of pick up from where we left off, if you will. But in the meantime, let me just tell you a little bit about uh, the sponsors of the show. Golf Talk Live, of course, is brought to you by uh, the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, iGolf Sports Network is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top LPGA and PGA teaching professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. All right, we've got a great uh, show, as I mentioned. Uh, I'm going to introduce the panel, and then we're going to get into tonight's discussion um, and these guys have been on many, many times. Uh, uh, just uh, I like to call them my friends now, I guess. Um, first up, of course, is Pete Buchanan, uh, the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf, uh, which houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. And he's been teaching for 30-plus years uh, this wonderful business that we call golf. And uh, I'm glad to have him on the show also, uh, another good friend, John Hughes. He's a PGA Master Professional and uh, currently the president of the North Florida PGA section. And he was the recipient of the 2013 PGA of America Horton Smith Award. And he is one of the top 25 instructors for Golf Tips Magazine. So glad to have him um, aboard as well. And rounding out the panel tonight is Paul Castor. He is one of the country's leading golf coaches, a uh, Golf Channel Academy lead coach, recognized by Golf Digest as one of the best teachers in New Jersey for uh, the 27-28 uh, season. Uh, he's also been honored by U.S. Kids Golf as one of the 2017's top 50 kids teachers. He's level two certified uh, with TPI or Titleist Performance Institute and Aimpoint, Aimpoint excuse me, and K-Motion. And he also serves on Foresight Sports Advisory Board and the New Jersey PJ's Junior Golf Committee. So guys, uh, welcome back once again uh, to Golf Talk Live's Coach's Corner. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. All right, I appreciate it, guys. And uh, hopefully uh, things will proceed without a glitch. You never know this day and age with so many people at home. Um, and um, 
we'll hopefully there that we won't have any technical issues tonight. Um, but I want to thank you guys first off. So we're going to talk about uh, a number of ways to uh, help improve your game. And I know that uh, a lot of these might seem very, very simple. Uh, but as I mentioned at the top of the program, uh, a lot of us are, are stuck at home uh, for the most part and uh, we're not able to get out depending on where you are uh, to the golf course and, uh, and or even to the driving range to practice some of these things. So I'm going to start uh, in, in the order that I introduced you and we'll kind of stick with that order rather than mixing it up. And um, so Pete, I'm going to start with you. And obviously the address position uh, is, is critical. Uh, in, in, in playing some good golf. So talk a little bit about the address position and why it's important and what sort of makes up uh, a good uh, address. Well, we all know that uh, looking at the golf swing, you, you've got to have some good rhythm and balance in it, and it's going to begin with how you set yourself up at address. You look at all the other sports, all the other movements. Um, you know, if you're going to set up to receive a, a serve in tennis, you know, you're going to have to get yourself ready to go and, put yourself, you know, towards the balls of your feet in a good athletic motion, and golf's no different. Um, you've got to put yourself in a position that address is going to allow you the ability to move relative to what you need to move and, you know, to do the things in the golf swing that are going to be necessary. And, you know, I've always said for a long time that most amateurs miss hit a ball before they ever hit it, and it starts with they're in the wrong posture to begin with. So the movements that they try to make, right. they can't make from the positions they put themselves in. And so, you know, the biggest one, you know, we saw for years was, you know, sitting back too much on the heels and the minute they try to turn, they're, they're immediately falling off balance. And so, you know, you've right. got to put yourself in a good position, you know, the weights toward the flat of your feet, flexing the knees, you know, bend forward from the waist, the back's fairly straight. And it doesn't have to be perfectly straight. I mean, you look at some of the greats that played, I mean, look at Nicholas and some of the ones that, you know, their mm. back was a little bit rounded at a dress. But they were balanced, yeah. and that's really the key. So they were balanced in the overall position so they could move. So, you know, I, I think, you know, when you're looking at the things of, of impact and things that are really important, the, the posture is a big key for me uh, in also aiding and getting the, the solid contact because the posture can dictate a lot with the angle of attack of what the club does. And if you're in the wrong address position with the posture, you're going to have a hard time getting solid contact unless you make – you know, quite a bit of, of compensations throughout the golf swing. So it's just easier to set yourself up in a good position to begin with relative with the posture so that you can then move in balance to what you're trying to do. Right. Uh, well, excuse me, well, <coughs> pardon me, well said. Um, and just to, to sort of wrap that up real quick, Pete, um, for those listeners that, you know, as I said at the top that are at home, are there some things that they can do while they're at home to work on some of those, what are some things, uh, you know, obviously having a, a mirror uh, would be ideal. A good full length beer uh, mirror, excuse me, would, would help. But what are some things that they can do to help um, ensure that they're in a good posture? Well, one of the things I always tell them to do is if you're really in a good setup at address, you ought to be able to lift your heels off the ground without having to move forward. You should be able to just lift them off the ground without changing anything. If you're sitting on your heels, there's no way you can do that you'll have to rock forward and then push your heels up off the floor. So that's one thing you can do setting up, just trying to get yourself in a good balanced position. And then also, you know, just look at, you, you can use like the edge of a wall or something. You can put, you know, your, your backside up against the wall and, and set yourself down and, 
and uh, you know look to see how you know when you move are you falling away or moving forward uh, do you feel the weight shifting off of your your platform I should say I always like to call it the platform where your legs are sitting on the ground and how that moves and you can really use that time just to get yourself you know familiar with how to set up to where you're looking at where your your arms are hanging down is it comfortable are you relaxed um, can you move and stay in balance and just working around with those things indoors inside you know you can hold a club inside you don't have to swing it but you can start to move a little bit and see how well balanced you are from that and just you know working at the basic essentials if you were standing straight up and down you want to you want to flex your knees a little bit you want to bend forward from the waist until the weight hits the five of your feet let your arms hang down from your shoulders. I mean, that's a great simple way to start it. Um, you know, you can do that anywhere to see how well you're balanced. And then obviously with a golf swing and some of the things that may need to be modified, there might be some little adjustments to the posture to help make those things happen. Right. Well said. And, you know, these are things that, that, you know, while we're in, in sort of this homeward bound uh, situation, these are things that we can be working on to, you know, to keep ourselves sort of tuned up, if you will, when they're not able to maybe in a position to hit some balls. Um, John, I'm going to move to you next. And, and obviously, you know, there has been for, for as long as I can remember a premium on uh, hitting, you know, wanting to hit it further. But I think more importantly um, is the ability to hit the ball straighter. Um, talk about, obviously, there's uh, – advantage just to being able to hit the ball straight obviously I know you can talk about a few of those but maybe you can also offer some tips again while we're at home uh, of things that they can take note of um, that they can maybe work on at home uh, to understand and and sort of close that gap a little bit and to understand how to hit the ball straighter uh, first off thanks Ted for having me on Pete Paul glad to be on again with you guys uh, what, what everybody's got to understand about this time that as you're working at home, it's about maintaining what you currently have, not necessarily improving right. what you have. If you were starting an improvement program, there's ways of continuing it. But at the very least, you should be finding ways to maintain what you're currently able to do as far as accuracy goes. What makes you accurate? your timing to be able to square the club face to the ball with the path moving in a logical pattern towards the target. And there's no need to try to reinvent the wheel. What a lot of people do during a, a downtime is just that, try to reinvent the wheel. If, it, if it's not broken, why are you trying to fix it is the, is the question I yep. ask all my clients. So uh, some easier ways, if you've got a backyard and you can, you can access it, and if you can order through a mail order uh, platform or a, a big box store, there's a lot of really good practice balls made of foam rubber, dimpled, extremely limited flight. You'd be very surprised how these balls fly. Uh, when my son was younger, I used to have dozens of them, and the kids would come in the backyard, set up flags everywhere, and they'd have their own little nine-hole game playing with these with these balls. But these balls will travel just like a golf ball, pitch shots, chip shots, half swings, trying to make sure that your impact position continues the timing device that it so relies on when you can be out there practicing. That's all it takes. Uh, it's It's a maintenance type of program. If you're looking to improve accuracy, there's tons of different drills you can do 
say, holding impact against a doorway or mm-hmm. trying to have, as you're holding impact against the doorway, where are your hands in relation to the forward lean of the shaft in relation to how your body is rotated to create that position? There's a ton of, that's just one example. There's a ton of different things you can do. The real key during this time, if you work with a coach, most coaches are going to have some indoor drills for you to do. If you haven't already got them, time to reach out and get those, number one, Mm -hmm. because you're going to stay within the plan that you and your coach have created for you. That's real vital. Trying to, again, reinvent (laughs) the wheel and experiment with things. This isn't necessarily the time to experiment, especially if you were progressing positively through an improvement program. It's time to stick to it, but there's ways to stick to it indoors. Your coach is the best person you can talk to to keep that going, to keep the continuity of your program going, keep the relationship going, keep the progress going. Right. Well said. And, and you know, you raise a, a, a really valid point, and that is, you know, even though you're not physically able to get together, per, perhaps in, in some cases with your coach, if you've been working with somebody, um, this is a time to reach out to them and say, hey, you know, we, we may be down for a little while. Are there some things that, that I can be working on that maybe we started, you know, a little bit earlier, obviously for those up in the Northeast, that's, uh, you know, it was a little bit colder and whatnot. Maybe they didn't have the opportunity to do this yet, um, but, uh, you know, and, and haven't had a chance to get out. But this is the time to to reach out to your coach or your teaching professional and say, look, while I'm stuck here at home and can't get out, are there some things that I can be working on to help solidify some of the things that we've been, uh, you know, talking about over the the last season or or even earlier in the season, um, depending on where you're located. So this is a great opportunity to take advantage of that so that when we are able to get back out, you've got a little bit of a, a jump on, on the situation. Um, Paul, and, and I know as, as John and, and Pete, I know all of you guys uh, have an online presence and, and do a lot of mobile coaching, if you will. And Paul, I know you've been doing uh, some, some great stuff here recently uh, during this downtime. And one of the areas, obviously, is, um, is, that's vital to, to improving your game is, is working on our short game. Um, but again, you know, direction obviously is, is critical, but uh, equally as important is the distance, uh, getting that distance control. If you look at uh, the professionals out on tour, obviously they, they have both done pretty well, but uh, they really focus on their distance control, particularly with their short game. Um, maybe you can hit home with a little bit of some of the points there and then maybe talk about some things um, that you're maybe working with some of your students online uh, to help them uh, deal in that particular area of the short game. Ted, thank you for having uh, having all of us. And um, yeah, I think uh, speed control uh, in the short game, putting in, and you know, wedge play basically boils down to the length of the stroke and and your tempo. Um, so starting to really understand how um, how how far back you need to take whether it's a putter or a wedge or an eight iron to produce uh, a shot of a certain distance. These are things that you can do indoors um, in a lot of cases, at least, you know, small chips, definitely putting. Um, And so if you, if you think about putting and, and, uh, and you have maybe a 20 or a 30 foot space, you know, 
even even 15 or 20 feet, uh, you can start focusing on the length of your stroke and, and correlating the length of your backswing to how far the, go- the golf ball is going to go. Um, a good tempo for a, a putting stroke and a chipping stroke uh, or, or a pitching motion is basically two to one. So the length of the backswing should be about twice as long as uh, the time it takes for you to get down to the golf ball. And um, a lot of times practicing with a metronome um, to mm-hmm. kind of ingrain a, a nice tempo can be very a really positive thing. Um, everybody's a little bit different in terms of the timing and the, and the beats per minute on the metronome, um, but you'll know when it's too fast. And the interesting thing about working with a metronome is that you're not trying to match the, the timing of the metronome exactly. If you get it kind of in the right ballpark, uh, your heart actually adjusts to the metronome and you just kind of fall into this good rhythmic tempo and, and your body will adjust to the, to the timing and, and you'll find a more con- consistent timing with your putting stroke, your chipping stroke. Um, so, you know, paying attention to seeing how, the, how far the ball, ball rolls when you're putting and matching that to the length of your backstroke um, can be really helpful. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of getting a sense for, well, if I make a five-inch backswing, how far does the golf ball go? If I make a 10-inch backswing, how far does the, does the golf ball go? Um, and we don't want to really – we don't want to add a lot of energy to the golf uh, to the golf club to putter through impact. Um, you want to kind of feel like you're just sort of dropping it on the golf ball, um, letting the dead weight of the, of the putter fall on the ball. Um, and, and, you know, you can get a lot of good work done indoors uh, focusing on those things. Yeah, well said, Paul. Um, you know, I couldn't agree more. And I think that, as John alluded to earlier, you know, there's some some great practice aids out there that you can work with. Um, you know, a lot of these uh, more modern uh, practice balls, the foam balls, for instance, uh, still can can you know be very very great and very accurate. Obviously, they're not going as far far as um, your your typical uh, golf ball, which uh, which is a good thing because uh, you know you want to be able to work with them uh, in a shorter distance. But uh, they're able okay. to to give you some pretty good pretty good feedback. And you know, in this day and age, again, most people that have somewhat of a backyard, if they're in an area that uh, you know they're not currently under snow, uh, which a lot of places are coming out of now, uh, they can be out in their backyard and can be working on some of these uh, things that that uh, you guys are talking about. Pete, I'm going to come back to you, um, and you know this is an area I know you really like to, to focus on the short game, and this is an area that a lot of people struggle with, and there's really a couple of factors. So I'm going to just very quickly set this up, and then I'll let you run with it. Um, you know, most people, uh, even the pros, certainly they're hitting more than the rest of us, but uh, have a difficult time hitting greens, uh, in, particularly in regulation. And part of the problem is too many amateurs want to go for it all the time. And if you look at most of the pros, now obviously their game is a little little bit more advanced than the rest of us, but um, typically they, they like to go in with a real short arm, particularly like their wedges. So talk about really being a little bit smarter in how you approach a hole so that you're setting yourself up for that nice wedge shot because I think people are more accurate with their wedges uh, than they are with their longer clubs. 
Um, so what would be a good strategy maybe, um, and again, people can, can be thinking about this and maybe even practicing some things um, while they're at home, uh, and, and hopefully when they get out there are going to give them the ability to hit more greens uh, with their wedge? Well, I mean, it's a great question, Ted. I mean, you know, it'd be really cool if all their par fours were, you know, something off the tee in a wedge. Um, you know, a lot of times they're not. Um, it definitely when you're looking at par fives, it's something that you want to really look at for setting yourself up to, to get that type of shot for your third one. You know, and I'm not trying to get the second one too close so you're stuck on an in-between shot and uh, making it more difficult for yourself. Um, you know, I think it's it's very important for them, first of all, to be able to, to work their wedges, um, you know, to gain the confidence in them in the first place so that they're going to be able to use them more efficiently when they play. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great idea, even in the backyard, if you, if you have some regular balls, or the, the, the foam ones are even better, you know, to go out in, in the back and, you know, pick targets and start working on getting yourself to where you're getting – some good contact, but, but being able to make a swing and hit the ball a certain distance that you see and really learning to control the ball, first of all. And I think once you can start to do that on a shorter basis, you can build that up into a little bit longer swing and still control the ball with the wedges. Um, easily done, you know, out in the backyard and, and that type of thing with, with the shorter clubs. But I think on the holes, when you're really looking at them, um, you know, one of the things they can do, and I just had this conversation this morning with one of my players is, you know, pull out the scorecard from your golf course and start taking each hole and start figuring out what's the best way for you to play that hole. And you may surprise yourself that it's not just, you know, trying to hit it, you know, to oblivion off the tee and then, you know, chase your luck from there. I mean, really look at the holes and figure out what are your strengths? You know, what are the best clubs that you play and sometimes, you know, I'd like for them to use the wedges, but, you know, sometimes it might be a little bit different club. I mean, some guy might be a little better mm-hmm. than a nine or an eight, you know, and try to set yourself up so you're driving the ball off the tee so you can hit those clubs that you're the best with into the greens. And I know when I played, I was always best with a six, seven, and eight, and I tried to drive it off the tee to leave myself one of those uh, irons in the green because I knew I could play those the best. So, you know, really look at your own golf course. Look at your scorecard. Start picking those holes apart. And, you know, in today's technology, I mean, most of them probably have the layout of the hole on their phone. And they can go ahead and take right. a look at it and, and, you know, measure that all out and start to get a much better game plan for each hole on what you're trying to do. And I think they might surprise themselves as to how better they can prepare for those shots into the greens by playing clubs that they are more confident with, but they are better with into those to, to be able to hit more greens in regulation. Um, you know, it'd be great if, as I said from the beginning, if, if the par fours were, you know, a length enough off the tee for them, that they would be hitting wedges all the time. But a lot of them aren't going to be that way. But then again, right. on that side of the coin, you don't want to hit yourself into shots, getting the ball too close to the green, and then you've, you've got too many in-between ones. Um, yeah. You know, I know the first hole where I played and grew up at, I mean, it was a, it was a driver wedge uh, hole, but I never hit driver wedge on that hole because it was too early in the round. I mean, if you, if you really hit a good drive down, you're, you're something in between. I always hit like a four, three or four iron off the tee and left myself a fuller shot into the green. Uh, easier way to get yourself started. So it's those types of things, I think, you know, I, I, the wedges are great, but I think a lot of times, too, there's some other ways you can look at the, the golf course itself and really start to set yourself up so that you can hit more greens based on the 
decisions that you make off the tee for the clubs you're going to be hitting into those greens. Well said, Pete. Um, and, and you're exactly right. Um, you know, I think you have you have to be smart about it. Um, you know, a lot of guys will, you know, off the tee try to bomb their drive and they get down there and their second shot, they, you know, uh, hit another good shot and get so close, um, especially on some of the longer holes, and then they've got a very in-between shot. Uh, and uh, it's just not uh, always, uh, you know, depending on how tight their short game is, is not always the best um, option to to uh, to take. John, I want to talk to you about um, working and improving from six feet in. And obviously, we're we're on the putting surface now, and this is an area which you'd be surprised at how many people really fall short. Um, you know, they hit a good shot in, maybe they've they're 10, 12, uh, 15 feet or more uh, away from the hole. And they think they're going to leg it down uh, on some of the longer putts, and they ended up blowing it past several feet because they haven't read things correctly. And you'd be surprised at how many struggle within a six-foot radius of that where that pin position is. Um, what are some things that you try to work with your students so that when they get into that that area, that they're going to have some confidence and knowing that. Even if they're a little further away on their approach shots, they know that if they get it in within that six feet, more often than not, the percentages, they're going to sink those putts or make more of them than less of them. What are some things that you work with your students? Well, the, the first thing I have amateurs understand is, is the make percentage from six feet relative to them and their skill level versus, say, a tour pro. Uh, and have them understand that professionals who tour the country playing practice these putts religiously uh, for the simple reason that these are the ones that cost them or make them the most money. There's a lot of different mm -hmm. drills that these guys do, but I think the biggest thing they do is they practice this under extreme duress to where there's circumstantial items involved similar to how they would be playing out on tour with that last putt on 18 within four feet, making or breaking $100,000 into their bank accounts. Mm -hmm. uh, they're constantly practicing this under pressure. So little do I see uh, amateurs even look at trying to make more three-footers, nonetheless six-footers. So one of the common staple drills that I give all clients, I don't care what skill level they are, uh, ben Hogan's made it famous uh, for a long time. We saw Phil Mickelson on the practice screen. The TV cameras would cut to him doing a variation of this. I call it the around the world or your comfort circle drill. And it's mm -hmm. really simple. If you were to take a alignment stick, your driver, uh, whatever it is, and you're just measuring north, south, east, and west from a hole, putting tees into the green and marking those distances and starting with four balls. And it's very simple. Make all four in a row. Just make all four in a row. If you miss, set them all up again. Don't, don't keep going. That's cheating yourself. And that's where most people don't understand that is how they cheat themselves. When you miss that third one out of four, start it again. If you miss the fourth one out of four, don't say, well, three out of four is okay. You can't do that on the golf course. Three out of four is not okay on the golf course. It's you've got one right. and one shot only. So reset, reset them. 
And a lot of the times I'll give this particular drill to people at the end of their practice when they're a little bit fatigued. To me, there's a difference between tired and fatigued. I learned this 40 years ago as a professional soccer player. Uh, when you're fatigued, you can still think. When you're tired, it's difficult to think, and your body's just not working, period. So when you are fatigued, you've spent that hour on the range, ball striking or whatever it is, go to the putting green, try this. Start with four balls and three feet. If you can make all four and you do that two or three practice sessions in a row, why not put six balls down from three feet? If you can do that two or three practice sessions, why not put eight down? The more balls you put there, the more pressure you put on yourself. And with the more pressure that you put on yourself, when you've made four and you've got four more, now all of a sudden you're going, huh, what am I going to do here? I'll give you the hint to this. Don't ever sacrifice your pre-shot routine from not only a piece-by-piece, what are the pieces of your pre-shot routine, but make sure you're doing it in the same tempo. Oftentimes under stress, what what happens Mm -hmm. is you speed up. So by the time you've got the pressure on that seventh and eighth ball from three feet, you're going to be going a little faster. Deep breaths, slow yourself down, make them. And there's only, there's no excuse, just make them. Um, When you can take that comfort circle and make it bigger, whether you are off the green, chipping, pitching, bunker shot, if you're 200 yards out and you put it on the green and you got an 85-foot putt, doesn't matter. When you know that you can sink 95 to 98% of your three to four footers because you've practiced them, all of a sudden lag putting becomes much easier. All of a sudden chipping from off the green becomes much easier. All of a sudden pitch shots from no man's land become much, much easier. It's a matter of practicing it. And if you're not practicing it, got no one to blame but yourself for those that you miss. You know, you were talking six feet. Let's start at three feet and be able to make those and over time bring yourself back into that six-foot area, when you can do that, you're going to be highly surprised at yourself at the scores you shoot under pressure. You know, that's a, that's a great, uh, some great points, John. You know, I have watched over the years a lot of, of our amateur golfers who are not necessarily very long off the tee or – or even from out in the fairway, but boy, when they get around that green, um, you know, they're, they're right up there. They just have worked and honed. They know they don't have the distance anymore that they once did, especially some of our older golfers, but they've done just exactly what you said. They've worked on that short game, particularly on the green, and they've gotten themselves to a point that they can pretty much, in most cases, they can get on the shorter ones, they can get there in two, uh, on the longer ones, of course, three. But once they get in that that short range, they're able to uh, increase uh, their percentage of of uh, up and downs is just incredible. And um, and within that that short circle, as you said, um, Paul, I, I want to talk to you about um, this is a little bit different. Uh, and when I refer to this, again, I'm going to just explain a little bit. Uh, I'm not referring to on the greens, but another area. Uh, of, of really reading and understanding your shots is 
from various points, whether it be from the T or even uh, another point uh, along the fairway, a lot of people have difficulty visualizing the shot. They just get up there and they say, well, I need to advance it, you know, 150 yards down, and they, they kind of get a, t a target in mind, but they don't really. Most professionals, as, as we all know, uh, are target-specific. They know exactly where they want the ball to land. They know the distance they want it to go. But many of our amateurs have a hard time handling that. So when you're working with a student and you're trying to help with their accuracy and you're trying to get them to get into a mindset or a frame, if you will, of being more accurate along the way um, throughout uh, their their 18 holes, what are some things that you work on? How do you help them achieve that, that sort of target-rich environment? Uh, I actually walk, I walk them through how I would think about the shot. Um, and I, I think a lot of times students are kind of surprised about, uh, the level of detail and the, the things that I'm taking into account, you know, so, uh, the lie of the golf ball, the direction of the wind, the temperature, where the flag is, what the green's doing, um, what the surrounding, uh, the, the green surrounds are, whether it's a bunker, is there a place you can run the golf ball up? Um, all the factors that are going to go into the shot. And, you know, when you work your way um, from the golf ball, let's just say from the golf ball to the hole in terms of all the different things that could affect the shot, you create an image for yourself uh, in terms of how the golf ball needs to fly and uh and where it's going to land and all of that so you start to you start to create a you start to visualize because you're thinking about how all of these things are going to affect the golf ball and that will also help you choose a club so um starting not not just with the, the yardage and the golf club but thinking about how how are the conditions going to affect the shot how is the golf ball going to fly is it going to come off low high um how does that affect how i choose the golf club um, you know, is a, is a really good way of thinking about it. And I think, um, you know, during playing lessons, I try to talk people through that process because uh, any of us who are golf instructors have played golf enough. Mm -hmm. We've had enough laps um, around the golf course and we've played in enough tournaments that our, our understanding and experience is different from most of our students. So uh, I think it really helps them to hear that process really out loud. Um, and I, I try to do that as much as I can during playing lessons. Yeah, and I think that's a, a really good point, Paul, that I think that the students need to understand from us, you know, when we're working with them, what we're thinking about. Now, you know, obviously their situation may be different when they're out on, on the course and, and they're faced with a, a, a specific scenario, how they might handle it, but understanding the thought process and you know, even though there was a lot of information that you're looking at, you're doing it relatively quickly. It's not like you're, you're, you know, um, spending an hour uh, over oh, each no. shot thinking about all these various things. It's a very quick process, and that comes with experience, and that comes with, um, you know, understanding what to filter out. You know, one of the biggest problems um, that I see, and, and I'm sure you would all agree, is most amateurs, when they step up to a shot, they're looking at all the trouble and they're thinking about the trouble. I got to avoid that water hazard over here, or I've got to make sure I don't hit it in that bunker. And instead of focusing on where they want the ball to go and certainly being observant of what's around them, whether it's a windy condition or, um, you know, or, or other uh, climate factors, but they're focusing on the trouble and all of the negative parts of, of that particular shot 
instead of focusing on where they want the ball to go and, and how they need to accomplish that. So those are uh, some great points. And these are things that, again, you know, as I said at the beginning, that you can be working on at home just because you can't hit full shots or just because you're not out at the golf course. Um, you know, you can, w- with technology, you can get online. And if you've got a favorite course that you're playing or if you're a member at a course, you can get out there and you can look at the holes and you can work out some strategy. And, uh, you know, if you're doing some online lessons with, with one of these guys here, that's a great opportunity to say, hey, you know what, let's take a look at my my course that I'm going to be playing here in, in you know, hopefully a short period of time and help me put together a strategy that's going to uh, in, engage me and help me to understand how to play each of the holes a little bit better. There's lots of things that you can do and there's lots of tips that your coach uh, or instructor can help you with. Um, Pete, I'm going to come back up to you and this is an area that um, a, a lot of folks understand or have, have an issue with and you know we all want to hit the ball far we want to be able to play but uh, I think understanding learning and, and understanding your physical capabilities uh, is crucial um, I don't know how many times I'll see students will come to me and they will say you know I want to do this or I want to do that and they really don't have the ability it's not that they don't have the skill set but they don't have the physical ability uh, maybe they they've had some some old injuries uh, that prevent them from completing a full backswing um, that maybe you and I would do, or maybe there's some other issues that they have. Um, And obviously when you're working with a student, especially the first time, you're going to do an assessment. You're going to kind of gather your information to find out what their current abilities are and help them work towards uh, a better uh, setup and system along the way. So talk a little bit about that, how it's important to to really unpack that information right at the get-go to be able to make an informed uh, decision on, on how based on your current abilities, how you have to modify or make changes to your game. Well, that's another great one, Ted. You know, first of all, in that assessment, it's very important to, you know, to be able to test them to see what they can and can't do, not just from, you know, their ability to hit shots, but, you know, physical movements. Are there certain motions and movements they they can make, can't make? Uh, and, you know, if there are some issues there, uh, can they be, you know, addressed and can they be corrected? You know, I have, fortunately for me, I'm able to work with one of the top chiropractors. And, you know, when we have some issues that we come across, sometimes it's it's just a simple uh, mobility issue that uh, they've got some things going on that can be corrected, and then we can make those motions that we need to make. So sometimes there's, there's a simple solution that way. Um, but, yes, you know, you, you have to look at the ability of the student, and then you have to start to talk to them about what their goals are and then based on those abilities and some of those limitations, you have to start to explain to them that, you know, some of the movements may have some limitations into what you can do, but that by no means means you can't play and, you know, do the scoring and, and play as well as you want to uh, with those goals. But you have to understand what your limits are and then what we can do with the golf swing to address those and make whatever compensations we would have to make based on those limitations to be able to get you to, to strike the ball the best way that you can. You know, the, the thing I always try to tell people is, you know, the ball only knows the club's going to hit it. So as long as we can get you into a motion that's going to make the club and the ball behave properly, you know, you don't have to look like, you know, Dustin Johnson or, or Phil Mickelson. You know, you just have to be able to get yourself to put the club on the ball properly. And, and many times when you're explaining that to them and cause and effect, they really – um, are surprised that it's not as difficult as they thought it was, you know, 
Um, but you, when you explain to them, you know, how the club and the ball should work together and then look at them and say, now, based on your limitations, here's the things that we need to do in order to make those two to behave together. I think you, when you assess it that way and move in those directions, uh, you can work around any limitations that you may come across. But then again, as I said before, there may be some limitations that you can address and uh, they can be, you know, looked at and, you know, have some kind of, whether it's a chiropractor or any other kind of physician who can look at some of those motions, physical therapy, some, some of the things like that mm-hmm. and can free those emotions up and uh, make it a little bit easier for them to move. Um, but I haven't seen over the years, you know, I spent a long time with the golf schools and, and, you know, I haven't seen very many people that didn't have enough, you know, motion to be able to play quite nicely. I've seen some with limitations, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, it, it wasn't enough that they couldn't play quite nicely. But, you know, if you do run across those, uh, you have to address them. And I think it's in the best interest of your student to address them early and right at the beginning to say, hey, look, here's what we need to do. And based on what you can do, here's the way we should approach it. So I think that'll be better for all of you in the end if you, if you look at it in that uh, relationship at the beginning. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. You know, uh, a lot of times it may not necessarily be a, a permanent situation. It may not necessarily be um, a permanent physical uh, limitation. It might be something as simple as uh, some tight hamstrings or, um, you know, maybe a minor lower back issue that's preventing you from, from getting the best out of your game. So getting together with, with um, you know, a certified uh, professional that can can help you, uh, whether it be a physio, physiotherapist or uh, even a chiropractor in some cases, um, and then you know maybe putting that together with somebody that is a certified golf fitness instructor uh, to help you work on specific exercises that are um, you know easily relatable because you know people think well I'm going to the gym and I'm working out and, and that's great but a lot of those exercises and a lot of those uh, heavier weight routines that some of the, especially the young guys do, uh, is not really good for your golf game. In fact, it's it's counterproductive. Uh, and uh, sometimes you have just some minor glitches uh, that can affect your setup, that can affect your swing. Um, and uh, you know, getting getting that assessed early on, and then finding the remedies through other uh, professionals uh, in conjunction with your coach can, can really make a big difference. You'd be surprised. Um, you know, and, and I know you, you pointed that out, Pete, that, you know, over the years we, you know, we see a few people that may have more severe cases, but more often than not, they're relatively simple and things that can be very easily worked through. And it's just a matter of isolating and, and assessing that, uh, up, up front and then putting together a, a good game plan along with other professionals to, uh, to help them work through that. So some great, great points. Um, John, I got one for you, uh, I know this is uh, one that you're uh, well-versed in, and that is balance. Uh, a lot of people have difficulty, and I know you've done some great uh, articles and, and some great uh, teaching through uh, not only golf tips, but uh, through your own uh, John Hughes Golf. Um, people have a tough time sometimes uh, getting in good balance, and you've done some tips and drills to, to help uh, uh, improve that. Uh, maybe you can share one or two with us, and I know you can't physically show us, but um, maybe you can give us an idea of some things that they can be doing at home uh, to help uh, improve their balance. Okay, everybody, close your eyes and imagine how you're going <laughs> to fall over as you do these things. Uh, <laughs> it, balance, is, balance, balance is the way of life. Uh, if you can't stay balanced, you're not going to be upright very long, and that's what 
I try to drive home to every client that I have. The reason why I push it is more for lifestyle, more for uh, living life. And if you can remain balanced as you're in particular dynamically balanced, uh, which all great athletes are able to do, you're going to be more successful at playing golf or any other athletic endeavor that you choose to participate in. Starting out very, very simple. Uh, you can, can you stand on one leg uh, and find out how stable your ankles are? When I ask people to stand on one leg, most people will bend one of the knees forward, which puts the knee in front of the leg they're standing on and the foot behind the leg that they're standing on. When you go through rehab training, which I've been through four different rehabs for ACL uh, issues with one leg, one of my knees, uh, they start with balance of your non-surgical knee. And they have, they take your surgical leg and keep it outstretched in front of you, pulling the toe towards your chin. It eliminates the counterbalancing of your knee and your foot. And can you hold that balance for roughly 30 seconds? This is the first balance exercise you go through if you're going through uh, occupational rehab, if you're going through orthopedic rehab. It's one of the first measurements of your athletic ability and flexibility through the U.S. Olympic uh, movement, through the, uh, through the uh, training rounds that they have. It's one of the first things. You're going to be very surprised that your front foot for the right hand or the left foot, you're probably okay standing on that for, say, a count of 10 without falling over. But anything beyond that, that's where you're going to be able to take the weight and some of the torque out of your left knee and be able to make turns in that direction. What will surprise you is your back leg. You're probably not going to be able to stand on that leg as long without being in, unstable with your ankle. And that's where it all starts. And, and if you can get ankle stability and balance going, hold on to a doorway. Uh, if you got a cane or a golf club or a broom or an umbrella, it, hold that in the opposite hand that you're standing on the leg. In other words, if you're standing on your left leg, hold it in your right hand to help you balance. But during this time, believe it or not, if you took five minutes a day trying to hold each side 30 seconds, having your, the leg you're not standing on outstretched in front of you, trying to pull your toe towards your, towards your chin, as if you're trying to stretch out uh, a calf uh, when it's cramping, and be able to sit there and talk to someone and balance that, you're going to be real surprised how that's going to help. Very, very simple thing to do. Yeah, balance is key, and um, you're exactly right. There's a lot of you know, things that, that you can be doing, um, and you've suggested a few here um, that, you know, that we can be doing it because you'd be surprised at how many people really, um, especially those that have been sitting for several months and, and uh, you know, in the colder climates and haven't been out there, haven't really been uh, keeping themselves fit, and then they get up there and they try to do things and they're, they're just not in a good balance. So there's a lot of good things that you can do to check that, and there's also a lot of good tips and and things, John, that you've uh, given us here that uh, that you can do to 
first isolate whether you are having a balance issue because that is obviously going to play a key role in, in, in uh, playing better golf. Um, but also uh, there's things that uh, it'll iso- help isolate and show you what you need to work on. Um, Paul, I thought what I would do for this uh, last one is not so much a question, but maybe a, a wrap-up, if you would, to this segment. And just for those listeners at home, that um, maybe two or three things that they can be doing right now, um, you know, uh, until we're able to get back out in full swing. And uh, obviously, uh, I know you've been doing some things online and that, so um, I'll let you, after you've finished, uh, if you want to direct people how they can get in touch with you and how they can maybe participate in some of that. But uh, maybe just sort of wrap up very quickly the segment on things that uh, our, our golfers can be doing at home right now while they're waiting to uh, to get out of, you know, for lack of better words, isolation. Just some quick things that uh, maybe two or three points that they can be doing right now uh, to be helping to improve their golf game. Well, I, um, I think that, you know, John's initial point about uh, the fact that we're really trying to maintain – what, what we've been doing and, and the hard work that we've been putting in. And um, that's, that's really well taken. And I think um, not trying to do anything uh, out of the ordinary in terms of changing your golf swing a great deal, especially if you're not being, you're, you're not able to see a golf ball uh, fly, whether it's on a simulator or you're able to get out to some sort of a, a golf course, if you're in a state where golf courses are open Um you want to just work on the things that have worked for you in the past um, and practice really simple things like controlling the face of the putter and getting the ball started online. Uh, the, the face of the putter is, you know, almost entirely responsible for the direction the golf ball is going. So can you aim the face uh, where you want it to go? And can you return the face of the putter back to square drills that you can do uh, working on your putting? Um, and I also, uh, I think that, the more I teach, the more I kind of become aware that the way we move and our fitness uh, really does dictate how we swing a golf club. So uh, doing things to make sure that your core is strong, um, uh, you know, I think we're all probably sitting a little bit more than we're accustomed to right now. And um, getting up right. and, you know, just uh, keeping yourself moving, yeah. making sure that your hamstrings are loose, uh, doing some squats, if you have a light kettlebell or a dumbbell at home, uh, doing some squats with a, holding a kettlebell in the middle of your chest or a dumbbell, um, you know, up and down kind of uh, vertically, um, and uh, some simple, you know, deadlift type of, of exercises. Um, there's a great training aid out there uh, called the Gravity Fit um, that really helps with core engagement. And, you know, if, I think if anybody – uh, we're going to use use anything to kind of get themselves into fighting shape for golf right now. That's it's really one of the good ones. Um, so look them up. Um, and I would just say, you know, uh, this is a time where um, you're you're just trying to keep yourself moving. Gross and, and fine motor skills uh, need to be maintained. We all love golf. We're going to be able to play golf later on this summer. So just make sure that you keep yourself moving and and you're making swings every day. Um, and you'll be able to find your game again for sure. So uh, I am doing a fair amount of remote coaching, um, and, uh, you know, it's been a very fun experience um, working on that and, uh, and you know, trying to help my clients and, and even some new clients move along with their games. And 
you can find me on Instagram at paulcastergolf. Uh, my website's paulcastergolf.com, um, and I'm also on, on Twitter uh, under paulcastergolf. Uh, and uh, my email is paul at paulcastergolf.com if anybody wanted to reach <laughs> out. So um, all fairly consistent. And, uh, Ted, I really appreciate you having me uh, again. And um, we'll get out there on the golf course soon enough. Well, Paul, as always, I appreciate it, and, and thank you for uh, very nicely wrapping up uh, tonight's Coach's Corner segment. Uh, you did a great job in, in hitting some of those points again and, and uh, letting the listeners know that, uh, you know, just because they can't get out right now doesn't mean that there aren't things that they can be doing uh, in preparation. So uh, well said. Um, Pete, if you want to uh, let the folks know the best way to reach you out as well, and, uh, and then John. And I'm assuming Pete's still here. Pete, are you still with us? There we go. I'm still here. Sorry about that. Okay. They can, yeah, you mean, they can reach go me. Ahead. At, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't know what was happening there, ahead. but uh, I've I've been used to that. I do a lot of talking and nobody listens. Anyway, um, it's, um, <laughs> they can reach me at plainsimplegolf.com. The, the plane is P-L-A-N-E. Um, all of my contact information is out there. And, you know, we're doing a lot of remote coaching and, um, I've actually set up a, a net and a mat in my backyard, so we're going to be doing some live sessions as well. So be on the lookout for some of those. And, uh, again, Ted, thanks for having me on. And, uh, and Paul and John, it was a pleasure. Uh, nice being on with you guys tonight. Well, I appreciate it as always, Pete. Thank you uh, for, for hammering some um, great points uh, in, in the discussion. And, John, finally, if you want to let the folks know the best way to reach you, Great. Uh, Paul and Pete, again, my pleasure. Always an honor to be uh, on the show with you, Ted. Thanks again for uh, inviting me on. It's always a pleasure to share the passion we all have with the people listening uh, to the show. John Hughes Golf, just remember that as far as a web address, my email address, my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, my LinkedIn, it's all one and the same, johnhughesgolf.com. Uh, be on the lookout probably Sunday or Monday. I've been working diligently trying to get a remote coaching platform with uh, a video vault full of tips and, and so forth going. Um, I actually do all my own work with that. Uh, it's been a busy spring, and unfortunately, it's come to a grinding halt, but it hasn't kept me from trying to be as active as I can remotely with not only my clients, but potential new clients as well definitely some programs to look into. And, and one of the things I want to sort of sum up and say is this is a great time to get prepared for the bell when the bell rings. It's not necessarily a time to uh, overthink things and or forget about anything. I'll go back to my original statement. Make this a time where you're trying to maintain, maintain your passion, maintain your physicality, but most importantly, maintain your patience. I think this is going to pay off for everybody in the long term. Thanks again, Ted. I appreciate it. Thank you, as always, guys. Uh, great job tonight on the panel. And uh, I hope that everybody listening um, after the show, go back and listen to it again because there's some great tips in there from, from three gentlemen that, that know what they're talking about. And you can reach out through social media uh, and the various websites and get in touch with these guys. They're all 
very active uh, online and uh, remotely as well. So there's no excuse for you to not connect with these guys and, and get out there and, and get some solid in, instruction in preparation for when we get back out there. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Pete, Paul, and John. Uh, boy, it sounds like almost a remake of the Beatles here for a second, but thank you, uh, guys, and have a have a great uh, uh, great uh, uh, evening, and I uh, look forward to you guys joining me again on the panel. Thanks right. for having thanks, us. Thanks, George. It was great being on with you guys. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. That was uh, the gang, if you will, on tonight's Coach's Corner panel. Uh, Pete Buchanan, uh, John Hughes, and Paul Castor. And again, uh, you can reach out through their social media links and and uh, get in touch with them. They're a great group of guys and uh, have been uh, pretty regular here over the last several years. Uh, as I've mentioned uh, here uh, at the beginning of the season, this is season eight for Golf Talk Live. And uh, Coach's Corner uh, started up the, uh, the second year. Uh, so this is actually about seven years for Coach's Corner uh, panel. And uh, most of these guys have... Uh, sort of ridden along the way and, and really helped uh, um, to grow the show and, and also helped a lot of you out there. So uh, show them some love, if you will, and reach out to them and, and uh, during this time and, and uh, get some good tips on, on how to uh, prepare for uh, the season when, uh, when we get to in full swing, so to speak. All right, my very special guest uh, was actually on my show uh, several years back. Uh, he is the CEO of Next Links. Uh, I'm talking about Dave Schultz. And uh, he spent more than two decades as an electrical engineer and operations executive at General Electric, or GE for short, as an aviation electronics technician in the United States Navy. Uh, he discovered a knack for problem solving on the avionics systems of A6 and the FA-18 aircrafts. Um, so a very technical uh, gentleman, but uh, also uh, very uh, insightful uh, the seasoned uh, technologist uh, was also a key member on the Boeing 787 development project uh, while at General Electric, or GE. Uh, but on uh, St. Patrick's Day in 2015, uh, he spotted his pot of gold, if you will, and began the trek uh, over the rainbow, as he puts it. And uh, as I said, CEO of Next Links, he's got some exciting things to share with us tonight. So please welcome uh, tonight's uh, very special guest, Dave Schultz. Dave, welcome back Thanks to Golf Talk Live. Yeah, it's a pleasure are you to be doing? here, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's, uh, you know, the conditions are crazy. None of us thought we'd be, you know, talking the way we are a month ago. But, uh, you know, it also feels like we're getting some glimmers of seeing some, some light and seeing how the economy might come back to life. So, you know, mostly just keeping everybody in my thoughts and, and then, you know, trying to keep grinding forward because, you know, people that are in a position to – add value, whether it's through their business or healthcare or social distancing, you know, I think we just, right. we all got to do what we can do. Yeah. That'll be another, um, you know, in the adding to Webster's dictionary, social distancing, I'm sure that'll be, be the next one. It's probably not the last we're going to hear about it, but yeah, it's been an interesting and, and boy, what a big contrast from just a few months ago when, you know, Dave and I met down the PJ merchandising show at a, at a, an after hours function, and uh, through uh, some mutual friends, and uh, we actually met face to face, even though Dave had been on the show, and uh, we had a great conversation. Of course, uh, he's got some exciting things. He's going to share that with with us tonight. But uh, we talked a little bit about that. But boy, what a big difference! I mean, we were out having a good time. We were at PGA show down in Orlando, and you know, mingling with a lot of our, our peers and and uh, and others. And then here we are, a few months down the road, and uh, you know, other than talking to one another, we're we're 
basically standing away from one another. So it's kind of a big contrast, isn't it? Oh yeah, no, it's it's really incredible. I mean, it, I just keep talking to people about the, like we're all living through something that in the history of the world has never be- happened before. That you know, that this virus has caused us to turn off an entire global economy, and and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be challenging, but it's also going to be exciting watching it restart because there's a you know these kinds of things create a lot of new energy. They tend to bring forward yeah. um, value and and you know waste sort of falls away that's you know that that's just the the, the result of these kinds of, of of big global events like this and there's never been one bigger than this one so it's going to be it's going to be yeah. interesting times i'm excited about yeah. the future yeah and i think yeah i i agree um and and really what this has done for me um you know i've i've had some some recent uh things you know, in, in a positive way that have happened to me recently, and and uh, I've shared that on the show before, but uh, here over the last little bit. But um, you know, what it's allowed me to do is, is sort of take a step back and and really work through some of the, the processes, if you will, a little bit more in depth um, than perhaps I would have if, if things had have stayed the status quo. So, um, you know, there's certainly been some adjustments, and it's uh, at times. You know, it might seem inconvenient, but it's allowed me to to do things that maybe I normally would not have had the time to do, or, or would have had to cram it in. So, uh, there, I look at it from a positive standpoint. It's it's a difficult thing, and we're all going through it together. But uh, I agree with you. I think there's going to be some great innovation that's going to come out of this, and I think we're going to bounce back even better, and as a society, even uh, stronger as a result of this. But, all right, Dave, let's talk about some golf, and let's kind of catch people up a little bit. Last time you were on. Uh, we were talking about uh, reality, and I know you've transitioned quite a bit since then. Um, and we know golf is hard, and we know we both know that, and it can be challenging and difficult. And you've really been working hard and, and making it accessible to more and more people, and you've had uh, some great visions um, with with uh, with NextLink. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your overall vision? What is it that you're you're seeing yourself? You've got an extensive background. Uh, with the aviation market, which has given you a very technical background, but it's allowed you to sort of um, really look at everything with a, a more finite uh, perspective. So talk about NextLink. What is NextLink for those that aren't familiar with it? And what is your overall vision? What do you see moving forward with NextLink? No, it sounds good. It's, there's more than one. There are NextLinks. Um, so the NextLinks is, is the technology company that's really the derivative of, of what was Reality Golf when we talked last time. So, you know, mm. when I saw, you know, five years ago when this market was just beginning, you know, most people thought of Top Golf as an experiment still, whereas now, you know, everybody sort of accepted them as something new coming to the market and, and creating new energy. And, and so I, I just spotted that. And I, I, you know, what was powerful about that to me was how it was going to change the way people that don't golf view the game of golf and you know i just kept looking at that model and that that was my big aha i said you know what would be like the natural evolution of top golf and i and i came up with this game where you play half of it through a screen with the simulators that have already been around for a long time and then the rest you know the real way you play golf on a traditional playing field and i thought man that would be a fun alternative to the game of golf why don't you know why don't i go invent that and so that's how reality golf came to be and and you know, about a year into the, the reality golf venture, I just could tell that I was a few years too early to the market with that big of a project and that big of a vision. And, and, you know, even though I had 
confidence in myself, I think people worried that I couldn't really bring the technology forward. Um, so mm. the last three years has been about, you know, proving all those things uh, and really working through the technology that would drive that venue and turning it into a scalable product line that we can sell and distribute and get out in the market. And uh, boy, it's, it's really come out better than even I dreamed about. So we've, we've got a small product now that sells for about the same price as a golf simulator, but it's a putting green. Um, and we've got games that you play on the putting green. So you don't, it doesn't have to be real large because we figured out how to create all the shape and contour, however we design it. And we use these overhead spotlights and we have three of them for each of our little game zones and two of them we call pointers and one of them we call a pattern maker and they spin around on gimbals and they point lights down at the playing field. And over the last three or four years, we've been writing software games that use the ability to sort of paint, you know, paint a picture on a putting green and turn it into a game and create a little kiosk interface around that. And, um, Lo and behold, a couple of years ago, the city of Indian Wells came to us looking to turn their putting green into an entertainment center and uh, hired us to do it. And that's been operating a couple of years now uh, really successfully. We got a great case study out of that. Um, and then we ran into some entertainment partners, you know, sort of similar to Topgolf, but different, uh, that had their own thing going on in Phoenix. And they had a big project with about a 20,000 square foot indoor outdoor area, and they didn't quite know how to monetize it. And they came out to Indian Wells and saw that project. And then um, now we're in sort of a joint venture with them and, and working together. And we're putting 14 of these, you know, all in the sort of heart of Phoenix. So at the same time, we're bringing a product line forward. We can, you know, scale into private purchases or hotels or, you know, golf courses or wherever, you know, teaching facilities. Um, we're also bringing the same experience forward in the middle of the entertainment scene. And so the, you know, my big vision is to create a, an alternative sport out of all of this um, with all mm -hmm. the league play and all the competition and everything. And, you know, now it's, it's getting closer and closer. The, the dream doesn't feel so far out of reach, Ted, because this product's <laughs> going to sell like hotcakes. Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, you've you've talked about and uh, with a number of different people, uh, including myself, um, about really your your vision and what you what you see. And and we talked, as I said, um, when we were down together at the PGA show uh, that evening for for a little bit, and you explained a little bit more about it. And what was really interesting to me was it, it's something that is obviously different than what we that are in the golf industry typically look at when we think of golf, we think of 18 holes and we think of, you know, going out and either walking or hopping in a golf cart. And uh, obviously with, as you mentioned earlier, with top golf coming out, it sort of brought in a different model and now you've taken it really uh, a step further and turned it into even more of an entertainment platform um, based on around a, a golf theme. And what's really interesting about it, and I've been on, and I'm going to give, uh, as we go along, I'm going to give the information and where people after the show can go and uh, check out your website because there's some really great, very high-quality videos that uh, you guys have put together um, that really sort of, you know, uh, better explain than what we can do here tonight on air. So I'm going to give them that information uh, as we go along here. But um, you've really put a lot of thought into this, and I really, really like this model 
um, because, as you said, and we're, I'm going to get you to give some examples, but it, it's not just a matter of getting on there and, and putting on the green and, and doing your typical golf. You've actually created, as you said, that other games can be played on this surface with the different software. So talk a little bit about some of the other things that people can do um, with the, um, you know, with this vision. Yeah, so we, we, it comes with eight standard games, right? So the, the, the game that I love the most is, is just what we call the Next Links Challenge, which is just a series of par two holes where we shine the pointer down to your starting location and we shine the pattern maker over one of the cups. And, you know, our smallest screen has like three or four cups on it, measures about 36 feet long by 16 feet wide. Um, and so you, you go through a series of games and we're able to, you know, produce tee boxes and, and play two locations, flag sticks, um, using light beams. And so we, we can create just a tremendous amount of variation. And, you know, the way we've contoured the greens, we have sort of a mix of traditional reads, you know, when you're really working on your game. So our, our greens roll pure. They're, they're 11 on the centimeter. Mm-hmm. They feel soft like you're at a country club. Um, they're, they're layered up. There's something we spent about two and a half years figuring out how to do. The, the underlayment is a uh, dense foam, you know, machined on a CNC mill. And so we can create those super fine shapes and contours that you come across on a real golf course. Um, but we can also create a few little whoop doos and stuff. And so, mm-hmm. um, we've, you know, our, our, <laughs> right. yeah, we have, a love, we have a love of golf. And we also have a new golf customer called the non-golfer. Um, and bringing them forward is about introducing them to the real playing surface with fun, little unique games that are tailored to their skill level. And so, you know, everything we do is tailored to multiple skill levels. So we use lights to dictate skill levels or colors, you know, uh, different color patterns and whatnot. Um, Even in that next link challenge, just that first game, you know, a skilled player and a non-skilled player can play together because we have the pointer that shows you where your tee box is, go to an easier shot, for the non less skilled player, but you're both playing to the same flag stick each time. Um, so it's like you're playing together and, and, you know, the non-skilled player just got a little better shot to you to the green. Um, and so you're just giving them a little handicap that way. And it, it makes it a lot of fun because they can compete on the scorecard. You don't have to go in after the fact and figure all that stuff out. Um, and they, they feel like they're beating you. And then the only thing that happens is as they get better, you just won't play them on that skill level anymore because they keep taking your money or you have to keep buying them a drink or something. <laughs> well, um, and, that would, you so know, that's just said, one. And, 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 yeah. So right. real quick, you know, there's seven more like that, that, that they're just bunches of fun. Well, what I was going to say was, you know, what's interesting uh, and, and you, you really, uh, hit, sort of hit it on the head, uh, the nail on the head, is you're really bringing in, you're helping to bring in people that are typically not drawn to golf, uh, people that maybe have never played golf. You know, I was fortunate, and, and perhaps you were as well, you know, growing up, my father played golf, so I got introduced to it very, very early. But there's a lot of folks out there, especially this, the, some of the next generations that um, maybe, you know, didn't have the uh, benefit of, of growing up in a golf family. So they really don't have the understanding or desire to play um, but you've created a very unique model that, uh, again, uses uh, certain aspects of, of the game and made it fun and interesting. Because one of the biggest criticisms as a, as a teaching professional that I hear with even diehard golfers is, you know, when I get on the putting green, what do I do? It's, you know, it's boring and, yeah, I can putt to the hole and back to the hole. 
and it's very difficult to have to, you know, as a, an amateur out there for them to think up different games. And this is a fun thing that the family can can get involved with, and your buddies can go out and have a great uh, night. And there's, you know, uh, drinks and whatnot as well to to obviously add to to the experience. But there's a lot of different games that can be played that are not typically golf games, but you're using, you know, obviously the, the, some of the tools of golf, uh, like the putting surface, um, and you really mirrored the, the technology. I was very, very impressed when I went on the website and looked at that, and, and again, I'm going to let the folks know a little bit later on because uh, I want them to check this out, but um, you really wanted to reach out to a market that typically would not be drawn to golf, correct? Yeah, so that it, that was the whole power of the whole idea from the beginning, right? So that's the magic of Top Golf because what they've done is they've spent just hundreds of millions of dollars conditioning the mind of the non-golfer to all of a sudden see golf in a different way. So the non-golfer, they don't have this big distinction between Top Golf and golf other than what's fun and what's not, right? So the idea is to use Top Golf as the lure to get them in and then show them how much fun the real sport is. Um, using, you know, all these skills and, and gamifying them. Um, so it, it, it works really well. I mean, we, we, we just, we had a lab environment for two years before we got two years of customer facing applications. So um, it, it was just, you know, this was my sort of life journey when I chose it. So I was really careful about making sure we're ready to get to the market. Um, and so then this pandemic happened and I'm like, Oh crap. You know, the only real problem we were having was not enough recurring revenues yet. And it's like they pulled everybody else back to the same condition that I was just getting ready to start at. So now we're all now we're all equal, equal. Yeah. So, and what's really um, interesting, I, yeah, yeah, and I just want to mention a couple of things just to give you an idea of, of some of the different games um, that are on here, uh, again, that are not necessarily – uh, traditional golf games, but you again, you're using uh, your technology and you're using the uh, the playing field, if you will. Um, but you, you know, you can play darts, uh, you know, cornhole, uh, beer pong, even uh, you know, shuffleboard. There's all kinds of different games that you guys have put together. Um, and and what's really unique about this, and 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 again, uh, for for some of you non-golfers out there, or even golfers. Um, you know, this is a win-win for a lot of uh, courses out there that are struggling to get people, uh, especially new people, out to the golf course to play. Um, and this is another product line, if you will, that they can offer them. So if somebody wants to, uh, you know, to go out to their to their uh, club or, or local, uh, you know, golfing venue, and maybe they're not really uh, wanting to play golf, but they want something to do. Uh, and club, uh, country clubs especially, this is a great opportunity for them um, to have other, you know, events, if you will. They can act, build a, a, um, an event around this uh, this technology. So I think it's it's a, a win-win. Talk a little bit about that because you've you've got some uh, some different products within the product, not just the games, but you you've got um, uh, you know outdoor, indoor, if you will, uh, and even a canopy uh, for situations. Talk a little bit about some of the varieties that people can do. Uh, and use uh, the overall uh, platform. Yeah, so it's easiest to understand if you just start with the simplest form, which is one game zone. So we, we think of one game zone as, as 576 square feet, um, and that doesn't include where you're going to put your couches and stuff. So so think of one zone as 1,000 square feet. You know, add a couple hundred so you can put a couch and have people hang out. 
that creates an entertainment center for about, you know, eight to 10 people with, you know, a handful of them playing the game at the same time. Um, when you double it, so that's that we, we built the game within that. We call that the smart green pro, um, that sells for under a hundred thousand and it's going to be, you know, you can, the way you can reserve these for parties, it pays for itself really quick. So we've got a bunch of scenarios to help customers understand how they get their money back. Um, but it shouldn't take more than a year or two if, if they're in the right spots and, you know, as long as they're doing some marketing and whatnot. Um, so the cool thing about our technology is when you double it, it's not just that now you have two zones, you also have one larger zone. So now you can rent to a larger group and then the whole surface becomes one game instead of just three spotlights. Now there's six and you have four pointers and two pattern makers. And so now you have the back and forth games, you know, that are, you know, you're playing 40 foot putts back and forth to each other to these different kinds of patterns and stuff. And, and now when you get into that party size of about 20 people, that's when, you know, people start pre-planning that kind of stuff and they're, you know, they, they call in advance. And so that starts getting advanced book reservations for the clubs and then Mm -hmm. they make all the money on the F and B. So they, you know, they, they book a reservation fee, which nobody ever has a problem with. It's, you know, exactly the same model that they use for the driving range pays. Um, and so you pay a little overhead fee for that, and then you're, that's your sort of area to be entertained. And, you know, you bring food service in there. And so the club throws a party, and they, they make a lot of money off a two- or three-hour party. You know, and, and it, you know the, the, the part that's fun for me is when you go back to the daytime now, you've got this – you know, world-class playing surface to use for teaching and, you know, or competing and all mm-hmm. kinds of other things. So, it, you know, it, it sort of becomes one thing in the evening when you want to monetize it, and it's a whole different thing um, in the daytime. So I, I listened to your earlier segment, and the guy was talking about the circle drill for putting. Um, yep. So we're, we're going to be able to, you know, automate all kinds of putting drills for, for teachers that, that are all customized. Mm-hmm. So as people start understanding our technology – they're going to give us, you know, feedback on, you know, Hey, we'd like to do this. And so, you know, being an engineer, that's what we've done is thought through, you know, what are all the ways that we're going to be able to continue to customize this? So, you know, back to the zones, you go from two to four and now the same thing happens, right? So now you can entertain a hundred people. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the canopy system is 12 zones and it, it's got room for a food truck. Um, you know, we've already spec the canopy. We've already learned all the hardware. There's a couple of entertainment areas, you know, it's all, loaded with all the bells and whistles. And so we're just selling that as a turnkey system because the operator can bring in a food truck or they can have different operators come in. And it's just kind of like entertainment in a box. Um, and mm-hmm. and we, can do that pro- we can do that project with a revenue share just at our cost, or we can take our profit up front and then, you know, the, the owner or the customer can just handle and manage the whole thing. So um, all this is getting me really excited, Ted, because I can tell that the product rocks and all of the salespeople that have been coming to me the last four years looking to figure out how to get involved, you know, we're finally, we spent about the last nine to 12 months, you know, building this product line to make sure that we knew how to take orders, you know, and, and so what's sort of naturally happening is I'm learning what the next jobs are going to be. And, and what, right. what they are is they're relationship managers. So um, transactionally, we've got this sales process pretty figured out. And so as we start finding salespeople, what they're, they're really going to get a territory and then they'll get sales credit, you know, for any sales that happen in their territory and their real job is just going to be to make sure that they're taking care of the people that are using and buying our product in that region, because um, we're going to want that feedback. And, you know, that's how we're going to continue to grow as a business. 
you know, and, and Dave, the other thing too that's that's really uh, really a couple of points I was thinking about, and and you know, first and foremost, a, a, a situation that a lot of clubs, especially uh, golf courses or resorts, have uh, is obviously in in times of bad weather. Um, you know, you, you can't help it; it, it happens. Um, you know, you you book to, to you know to play around, and, and suddenly the you know a storm comes up, and you can't get out in the golf course. Well, now the courses and the resorts particularly can offer um, this as an alternative uh, for some of their members and some of their customers to say, hey, you know, we've got something else besides just going out and playing the 18 here. Uh, they can utilize that. So again, that's another, as you mentioned, another revenue stream for, for some of these facilities. And then the other thing too that I was thinking about is, uh, as you mentioned about uh, hosting different events there, you know, a lot of our, our, our corporate clients out there, for this, those of us in the golf business, you know, they want to have uh, an event at a particular course. And one of the problems with that is if you're a golfer, hey, that's great. You get the day off work and you're going out there and you're, you know, intermingling with your, your coworkers out in the golf course and maybe some clients. Um, but there's other folks that are part of that business that are sort of excluded because they're not traditionally golfers. This particular product line that you're proposing, again, can really uh, amplify a corporate event um, because, they, again, in the evening, they can turn it into uh, a really great opportunity uh, to host, again, clients and things like that. Um, so they can you know, have the tournament during the day, and then in the <clears> evening, they can host uh, and have a great uh, event uh, at, at uh, you know, utilizing uh, you know, the smart green technology. Um, that's obviously something that is going to be very, very beneficial for a lot of the courses, correct? Oh, yeah, well, so if you think about entrepreneurs, right, they, like, what, what we really do is we solve our own problems. So, you know, that that's what I did for a living. Remember, I was a corporate leader for GE, right. and, and I used to be the one that had to plan events for my team and stuff, and I never chose golf. So it's my it's my favorite sport in the world, but I never chose it because I knew that it was going to have that effect on some people. And I was known as the golf right. guy, right? So um, if, if the golf mm-hmm. guy manager chooses golf as the activity, it doesn't look like he's really thinking for his team or she is, right? Um, it looks right. like, the, you know, gives yeah. a possible impression that they're just looking out <clears> for <throat> themselves. And so um, that right. was a problem for me. And so I never picked golf and we never did golf. And uh, right. um and so, yeah, that's, that's really at the, you know, at the real soul of our product is, is about bridging the gap between the non-golfer and the golf golfer and, and creating an environment where they coexist. Um, that's, that was like one of our original core philosophies. Well, and that's a, that's something, um, Dave, that, you know, I've, I've had even guests on the show that were, were, corporate types that worked for years, you know, in, in corporate America and, you know, were not traditionally golfers and they, you know, what, one of the things that drew them to golf was the fact that, you know, they were tired of coming in on Monday morning and, and, uh, you know, their fellow coworkers, uh, you know, um, particularly for women, because a lot of them, you know, were, were much newer to the game and, uh, didn't really understand it. And, you know, here their male coworkers are coming in and they're talking about a great, you know, round of golf they had with their buddies on the weekend, or you know, they took a client out on Friday or whatever day, and and uh, and really got some good business out of it, and they were feeling left out. So this gives you know the traditional non-golfers an opportunity to sort of get their feet wet, get out and have a good time, and and again create some events uh, for clients. 
Uh, and then obviously you're going to, by, by you know, natural proximity, you're going to get some overflow from people coming in using uh, what you're putting forth here that are going to say, hey, you know what, I'd like to try golf. Uh, you know, I've never played before, but, you know, here I am, and it, it seems kind of uh, a lot more interesting than what I thought it was. So they're kind of getting a sample, if you will, um, but a very technologically uh, advanced sample. Yeah, I mean, now you're just getting at the heart of the whole thing, Ted, which is that, you know, that that's what I gave myself as a, as a life journey. So the rest of my existence is going to be about sort of continuing to, you know, bridge the gap between traditional golf and real golf. I still see a future where there's fewer green grass golf courses, but they're very special places to be. Um, and, and, right. and they're sort of the graduation, right? They're, they're, they are aspirational. Um, there, there's an element of golf that is aspirational and will always be that way. It's part of the, you know, the core culture of the game. And, and so it's always been difficult to grow because it needed some sort of an access point that just didn't exist. And, and, and until, you know, until a business model like Top Golf rolls around and starts conditioning people to want to golf more, then the energy isn't there to go do it. You know, the, the people in charge of the golf industry, you know, love the game just the way it is. And that, you know, change has been a change is tough. Right. And so even within the mm. golf industry, that's been a, a big challenge. Well, and what makes your, your model very unique and, and I think really long-term more appealing for the average person out there. Uh, and, and this is not a knock against top golf, but one problem with top golf is you know, you, you've now got to get up there and you've got to swing a club and, you know, hit the ball out into into their range. And for some people, that's very intimidating. But most people have played, you know, putt-putt or mini-putt golf, and they're not as, as um, uncomfortable getting on a putting surface as they are hitting, you know, more uh, more full shot. And, and again, I know Top Golf has, uh, some, some great, uh, has a great platform as well. But yours is more unique because it's going to appeal to a lot of people that maybe are very intimidated or uncomfortable, uh, especially if they've never played golf, uh, you know, getting up there with, you know, their seven or eight iron or something and, and having to hit uh, an actual golf ball, whereas they can putt it, you know, 10, 20 or 30 feet and, and not really feel intimidated. So, um, and you've made it fun, which is even more. And, and I, I can see this, I can guarantee you, this is going to be a hit, particularly with the younger generation um, in certain elements, because again, you've got a variety of different games that are outside of the traditional golf game, um, and uh, you know they like to they like technology, they like to you know do things that are that are interesting like that. So I can really see uh, um, this being an attractive uh, uh, event, if you will, um, for for some of our youth. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, Ted, that so my you know my son was it was his twenty first birthday the the day we thought of this and it was, the reason i thought of it is because he was killing me right so i was working as a corporate guy and my <laughs> son was a senior in college and he, he worked at the golf course and he was just working me over um i'd been playing a lot of tennis and i'm just like cursing the golf industry for not having a better answer um and then yeah. you know so I, I came at this really from a golfer's perspective at the beginning i think everybody kind of saw oh here's this crazy golfer thinks he's going to change the world um but as I developed the product, remember my job is a product development engineer. So I'm very rigorous about requirements and, you know, how things need to come together. And, and it just took five years for us to get to the starting line with, with the product that's going to, you know, really position to make a difference. And so, 
it all is about the non-golfer because it's really the ratio of people, right? So there's um, yeah. like 325 million people in the United States and only 25 million of them would consider themselves golfers. So you've got right. 300 million people that all of a sudden think of this new way of engaging with golf. And so the idea is you just take advantage of that mental shift. Um, you get them onto a putting green. And now instead of a mini golf putting green, you know, so from a monetization, it works better because it's play in place, right? So that's why it has to be that way. Because you have to be able to have a group of eight or 10 people where some of them are playing and some of them are socializing. You know, not everybody wants to play at the same time. And that, that's what's fun about, you know, that social gathering and, and that monetizes well. Um, but then you also have to have, you know, all these, these fun varieties and things. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the key. Uh, you know, that, that's, uh, I think going to be the key right there is, is the fact that you have a variety of options that people can play. It's not all the same. It's not just golf. Um, again, I know you're using the, the putting surface and so forth, but you've, you've incorporated and, I, I'm quite certain if you're not already working on it, uh, right now you've got eight different games available, but I'm sure you're working on other concepts as well to add to that repertoire because now, now you've got the base platform uh, you know, set, to, set in stone, if you will. Now it's just a matter of writing uh, new software for different games that can be added. So really it's, it's endless, right? Oh, yeah. So, so now the, the next phase will be – you know, getting rid of all the human interfaces. So right now there's a kiosk where you keep your score. Um, you know, the natural evolution will be, you know, we'll just make everything automatic so that whatever you're playing the game, you're just kind of following a scoreboard and, and watching it score and it, you know, it all works. And we can do that with camera technology and other things. Um, and then in terms of game development, like Indian Wells is a great example. We came up with a new game we thought would be fun. Um, and it's just a, think of a flashlight beam, right? That's solid. And then it goes away around the edges. Um, and so just different colors and different sizes. And so the flashlight beam would go from smaller to bigger to bigger. And our idea was kind of like at the end of a tournament, when you sort of have the group horse race and everybody pitches in and then some people advance, you know, our idea was you'd pitch into a circle or putt into a circle. Um, and if you got your ball in the circle, then you have to putt to the next smaller circle on the next one. And, then people started playing the game and they started doing it differently. They, they started with the small circle and all lined their balls up around the perimeter edge of the spotlight in different places. And then if they made it, they advanced and then they make the next one a little bit bigger and fewer people on it. And so, you know, we watched them do that. We got that feedback and now we're starting to number the positions, you know, to make it more. So you're not always putting the same putt from a different distance and, you know, you have a player number and that kind of stuff. So yeah, you know, technology, that we have in the world applied to an environment that has some golf things like a putting green that rolls like a real putting green, um, you can do a lot of neat stuff. And, and so that's mm -hmm. the company that, that next, that's what next links is all about. Right. So I think of next links as a software and a technology company that's going to keep filling the sort of missing pieces um, and listening to the customer and, and just continuing to evolve this base platform that we've already created. And so that, you know, I, I call it infrastructure and technology because these putting greens are like a new infrastructure. Um, if you want, you can create an asset around them, I'm sure, and, and, and amortize them over years so you don't have to pay for them all in the first year. Um, you can make money off it in the meantime so it actually looks good on your, you know, on your balance sheet and stuff. Um, so we've just thought through everything, Ted. I, you know, my... That's what I did. My, my first company, we sold things to, to key customers and key accounts that were expensive things. 
Um, you know, mm-hmm. they were vibration sensors, not putting greens. But so that that's what I know. And so naturally my business becomes what you know, right? And so our smallest product sells for about, you know, $80,000. And we'll have projects that are, you know, $10 million probably in the future. Um, because this whole thing scales from the, the smallest unit to, you know, to the big experience level. Right. Well, and also, too, you know, a, a couple more things that I was thinking about is the opportunity even for sponsorships and, and things like that where you can get, um, you know, corporations that may look at opportunities of uh, advertising their product or brand uh, in the various facilities, you know, um, and this could, again, help uh, with the different locations in helping to absorb some. I mean, obviously, they're going to make it back. Um, with with some time and 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 uh, some of the the models that you've talked about, but you know they can also reach out to some of their bigger corporate sponsors uh, and say, look, you know, we can put some uh, some things in place to, you know, as as our patrons are coming in and and using the facility, they're going to see your brand and and uh, obviously because you're going to be serving, um, uh, you know, uh, you, you basically you're going to have a, the option of, of serving drinks and things like that. You can get some of your big um, uh, suppliers like you know um, uh, Anheuser Busch and things like that can come in and, and do some very creative marketing as well. And the other thing too, and I don't know whether this is available yet, but I, I can see this maybe down the road if it's not already possible. But be, again, because of the technology, uh, and once you know more of them are in place, uh, you could even create an environment where you could almost have uh, gaming tournaments, much like they do. Uh, you know, you see in Las Vegas now with certain games where different facilities can connect through the Internet and you can literally have groups that come in and compete against one another in, in you know, various corners uh, around the world. Uh, is that something that you're uh, have thought out uh, and thought about or is that uh, something uh, that you uh, feel? Uh, uh, of course. No, no. So, we're, yeah, we're already preparing. <laughs> so, you know, in, in Phoenix, we're putting 14 of these things all in, in one place in the middle of a 60,000-square-foot entertainment zone, you know, that is going to be amazing. It's in a, just this great location in Mesa. Um, so that's going to be where we're going to have our first sort of real tournament. And what that is is it's actually seven of our Pro 2X systems, which are 72 feet long and 16 feet wide. Well, the, the green contours that are going in there are the same green contours we're selling on the satellite systems, right? The the, the Pro 2X when you buy right. it just as an amenity or, or to add to your sports bar or whatever. And so you're actually playing the same games on the same field in different locations. So it's like being able to take all the contours of your favorite club and everybody can have those same contours, you know. And so it's going to create um, – imagine how that gets in terms of being good at putting, Ted. So I'll, remember, we spent two and a half years learning how to build putting greens. And we went back and forth. Do we spec them? Do we buy them? Do we work with somebody? Do we do them ourselves? And, and the answer came down to we have to do them ourselves because – they all roll the same. They're all the same pureness, right? It's our, it's our surface. Right. We own it. And, and so now people are going to get very good at playing the games that we've created on that surface. And I would say even better than what you see on the tour, because in tournaments, they always have to go warm up and, you know, play different greens that roll different and, and figure out the reads. You know, we're going to have people that like know this putt, you know, it could be a 30 foot putt and they can show up in a different location and it's the exact same putt, right? So all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're creating these games with long putts that people have really gotten highly skilled at. Um, 
And then, you know, the, the video games that are real popular right now are things like uh, Golf Clash and World Golf Tour. And what these are is they're little five-minute head-to-head competitions where you play one right. hole head-to-head, and then you have a playoff. So we're already thinking of how to bring that up into the real world, right, by playing, you know, head-to-head drive into the simulator, a head-to-head putt. You know, if you tie, then there's a playoff putt. And the playoff putt mm-hmm. could be some really hard putt. And, and you know, now people can come in and start practicing that putt. And you know how in those, in those, in those formats – you get a lot of ties and then somebody wins a point no matter what on the playoff shot. And so I could see people really getting skilled at the playoff shots. If they knew they're going to get one of, you know, five different shots every time they had a playoff, they're going to, they're going to get really good at all five of those shots so that they can win these tournaments. And then they become, you know, more skilled at this game. You know, and, and, and really David, it, it again, it opens up uh, a really world of possibilities i mean you know as we talked about earlier you know you're you're also going to have uh you know trackman uh, swing simulator uh, available as well so for for folks that want to uh have that experience they can um you know uh, you've integrated the smart green technology and and are able to offer a full round of of golf indoors so for those that that enjoy that experience as well that's also going to be available in in uh you know uh through your your models um, and yeah, it, it so, really, so right. where that's at, Ed, is, is, um, so, you know, we, we work with a bunch of different simulator companies, but the only one that we've taken all the way home is, is with TrackMan. So we've got prototype mm-hmm. software where we play through. And so we're starting to see a lot more interest in that product and, and getting a lot more serious about delivering it. And we're taking orders on future deliveries, right? So we're basically going to take future orders and say, okay, they want this. And then that'll give us the fuel to go you know, finish the software development to make that game complete. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, and, and like I said, what's unique about that is, you know, it, again, it's opening up a, a new door. I mean, obviously we know that there's simulators around and, and so on and so forth and other venues, but um, putting that together with, with what you're proposing, uh, again, sort of gives a, a well-rounded package and, uh you know, I can really see it. You know, people are really struggling for entertainment value right now and, and looking for things to do. And, and uh, again, for, for those that maybe uh, are not your traditional golfers yet uh, or may never become traditional golfers, this is a great way to introduce them to, uh, you know, the game, um, but in a, in a unique and different way. And, uh, again, the, the, the possibilities are really endless, um, both from a corporate perspective but also – uh, from a venue perspective, again, I mean, you know, traditionally your country clubs, they would have, um, you know, for their members, they would offer things like dances or, or they would have, you know, weddings and things like that to help supplement um, their income uh, and the revenue streams. But now with technology and, and the different products available out there, now they're able to, you know, with, with really a very reasonable investment for what they're getting, um, can now open up uh, and, and provide a much better entertainment value uh, than what they traditionally were. And, and I think that's really what you're going for, correct? Yeah, well, 100%, right? So it was, you know, a lot of people, you know, are frustrated that it took me five years to get this business off the ground because they can <laughs> see the value five years ago, right? Um, right. The, the, problem, the problem is that once you start delivering something, you know, then you've complicated your business. So we spent a little extra time in the lab, in front of customers, you know, making sure we understood our product and how it monetizes for our customer. But this has always been, for me, 
about recognizing that I, I did really good product development in my old job. I got some of the toughest projects and I, you know, brought them home. And so mm-hmm. I saw this and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I could totally design a, a product that would help golf grow and it would also entertain people. And if I could design that product, I could just sell the product for a profit and let everybody else take advantage of the recurring revenues for, you know, a large part of the equation. So, you know, like I said, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go both ways. We'll partner with people or we'll sell the system. Um, but, uh, you know, mainly, you know, I'm not the kind of person that would ever put my name on something that wasn't going to be, you know, the best thing available. It's just, it's, it's who I am. So I, so I put everything I had into this one and it's, it's pretty exciting to, you know, it's when you are, you're on one of these journeys, Ted, nobody will help Mm -hmm. you with capital until you're all the way there. And I don't blame them because the way it works is if I come to you and I say, Ted, I'm 95% of the way there, man, I just need a few thousand bucks. You immediately go, well, if you need a few thousand bucks, you're not 95% of the way there, right? You you just story. Nobody's ever, nobody's ever 95% of the way there. You're 30% of the way there. You're 20%, right? Right. So, but, but the difference is once you're a hundred percent of the way there, then all of that goes in the bank, right? It's kind of like playing who wants right. to be a millionaire. Um, so, right. so about about a year ago, I knew I had the product, and, but I didn't have much money left, and so I couldn't figure out how to put the marketing and sales front end on it. And, you know, lo and behold, the, just like I thought would happen, if I built the right product, you know, the right people start coming forward and creating that value mm-hmm. for you. So I've, I've had some really amazing, talented people um, show up, you know, they've shown up throughout the years, but, but the ones that are still with us now that are core to our team, right. you know, showed up just at the right time. And they, and they put a lot of, you know, sweat energy into helping us get ready. So all that stuff you see on our website, all the, you know, people used to look at our website and they're like, wow, this looks like a cool company, but I don't have a clue what they do. Um, so right. now it's all, stru- now it's all structured for sales. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's, you know, that, that's what it was all. All the five years up till now was me making a lot of noise so that when we got ready, people would remember, you know, a few people would remember that we're actually out here trying to, you know, make a difference. Because if we just show up today out of nowhere and nobody knew who we were, you know, that would be bad too. Right. Well, I didn't, I put all my money into product development, Ted, and then I, I used my own voice. You know, I became sort of our chief salesman for the last five years and, and managed to land a pretty, you know, a couple of pretty lucrative sales contracts, um, all the while sort of figuring out how to put this thing into a form where we can share it with everybody. Right. And, and just to go back to, to, you know, uh, your earlier point is, you know, it takes time. I mean, you could have, like you said, you could have, when you had the initial ID, you could have brought it to market very quickly and, and, uh, you know, tried to scale it. But the problem is that until you really, um, you know, know that it's it's going to be solid. You know, the idea and the vision is great, but as you said, you know, you have to wait until you're able to to really um, express what it is that you want to do um, before you're going to attract a, you know a more captive audience. And I think, you know, even though it's been a long journey in many ways, it's allowed you the opportunity to go back and tweak and adjust things that you needed to do. And again, you you brought the right people in at the right time. And now, it, you know, you're going to start seeing things move much quicker. Whereas if you had have done it the other way around and brought it to market a little sooner, um, when maybe things weren't quite where they needed to be, uh, it probably might not have taken off or the product that end product that would have come out may not have been, you know, for lack of better words, up to snuff. And then, you know, it's just, well, no, that's just a, you know, a sinking ship. And so I think you were, you were smart 
um, in, in holding off and, and waiting for the right time. And um, and now the right people are, as I said, coming into place. And I, I think it's going to be very, very successful. I have no doubt about that. I think it's a great product. And, and as I said, when we send the listeners to, uh, to have a look at your website, uh, and I'm going to put that link up tonight on my social media, uh, I really want people to take a look because it's, it's incredible. Uh, I think you, you've done a, a great job in putting it together. And, uh, and it's a great vision. And I have no doubt, Dave, that uh, it's going to be very successful. No, that's true. And then on LinkedIn also, Ted, so you know, how people look me up on LinkedIn, because I, you know, I, I was one of those people that just, when I had this idea, I, I decided it was my life's journey. And so I, I decided to document pretty much everything. And so that's, you know, I've been sort of sharing, you know, my story as a, a living diary of sorts on LinkedIn for the better part of five years. And it's kind of fun now because that's going to be our primary lead generation um, advertising as well. There's a lot of great business-to-business contacts on that platform. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's it's a, a win-win really for everybody. I mean, it's, uh, for the general public, there's a lot of great uh, uh, a great thought went into the entertainment value. But from a corporate perspective, I mean, you know, it, it, it's a uh, there's some really great things that, that corporate partners uh, that get involved with this uh, down the road and, and um uh, can work together with with venues and and as you said hotels and and even casinos. Uh, I mean, I can see this popping up in Las Vegas. Well, you know, uh, and, and with every you know. with, with everything going with everything going on. So about a year and a half ago, I was really thinking that it was going to be the luxury private home market that was our first to really take hold. And um, now I'm still not so sure that the luxury private home market won't be one of our hottest early markets because. Um, fewer people do want to, you know, there's this nervousness around this virus going right. until, until we have it under control. And so I, you know, people that have the, you know, freedom of having the luxury of capital to have a nice amenity at their house, that's something that's going to be more of interest than it was in the past. Sure. So I, I'm starting to feel that a little bit too. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is that that's the beauty of, of this model is you can really, take advantage of a variety of different markets. It's not just the general public, but yeah, you're right. But, you know, private, uh, um, uh, you know, corporate types that have the, the capital, as you said, can, can bring this into their own, uh, you know, realm, if you will. Um, but I, I think, I think you're not going to have anything to worry about. I think once this initial, um, you know, uh, virus has passed on and I think people will, you'd be surprised. I mean, they have for many, many years so when we've had, uh, you know, crisis situations, it's always a little bit nervous in the beginning, but then people circle yeah. around and, and, uh, you know, move on. So I, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. And I think, you know, there'll be opportunities regardless and maybe, um, you know, a, a little slower in some ways, but I think you're going to pick up and, and, uh, and really move forward. But let's, uh, let's give them the information, uh, Dave, let's tell them where they can go and, and check this out and, and uh, get more information. Yeah, so so um, the primary would just be go to our website, which is nextlinks.com. And like I said, Nextlinks used to have a lot of information about sort of our, our science experiments and those things, and now it's more of a product line portal, right? So that's how you go figure out, hey, I'm interested in buying something, and I want to do an inquiry, I want to see the buyer's guide, that kind of stuff. Um, YouTube, if you just search like Nextlinks Golf or Dave Schultz Nextlinks or Reality, you know, We've been dropping pebbles for years, and there's some great old media out there, you know, that shares, you know, sort of the development cycle that we went through. Um, so that's kind of fun for people. And then on the business side, LinkedIn, you know, me personally, um, Dave Schultz with no C, um, S-H-U-L-T-Z. Right. 
And and uh, I've been active on that platform for years and years, and, and many of my, like, today's relationships came from that platform. So I love connecting with people. And then we've, we've got a NextLinks, um, you know, we've got a NextLinks business element of the LinkedIn site, which I don't, uh, you know, our team is just starting to take that over. And so that's going to be over the next few weeks. Um, we're really launching our first sort of lean generation campaign. So you're going to see a lot of new information coming forward, you know, about, sort of how to introduce you to our product and then how to get you a little more interested and then finally how to get you to the line to write us a check and, and go ahead and make the purchase. Um, so that whole campaign is starting here in the in the next couple of weeks. And then, you know, obviously we didn't talk a lot about the Revelry because of this downtime, but the Revelry in Mesa, um, it's a great project to look at, the Revelry.com. Um, and then obviously Shots in the Night at Indian Wells is our other um, customer-facing project, and, you know, there's a lot of media and information out there about that as well. Perfect. Um, well, I think, like I said, I think it's it, it's really a win-win situation, and, um, you know, I'm I'm happy to help you promote it any way I can. And, um, you know, one of, as I've mentioned uh, earlier at the top of the show, um, I didn't get specific, but I'm going to mention it now, but, you know, one of my recent acquisitions was um, – I became the owner publisher of golf tips magazine. So I think there may be some opportunities that you and I can work together through that, uh, to help further get, um, the message out there. So we'll talk about that, uh, at a later point, but, um, uh, you know, David, I, I think you've, you've, uh, worked very hard. Obviously we know that. And, uh, obviously you're very passionate about that and, and I'm excited. I, I truly am. I'm really excited for, uh, next links and, and, um, and, uh, the smart green uh, technology, that uh, you know that you guys have created, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, where this thing goes over the next uh, little bit. So, um, thank you very much. And um, if they want to reach out to you, Dave, if there's some corporate partners or, or whatnot that might be listening that want to reach out to you, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, the best way is just my email, Dave at nextlinks.com. Um, you know, or I'm you know I'm I'm happy to give my cell phone out. I don't know if you allow it on this platform, yeah. but you can shoot me a text. Dude, is that a yes or a no? Yeah, you can, you're welcome to whatever you want, yeah, or if you want yeah, to just direct yeah, them no, to your LinkedIn page, sure, they can get they can connect with you if they're on LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn is the best way. Um, send me a private message on LinkedIn, and, and then we usually trade phone numbers that way, and, and uh, you know have a phone call, and then one things lead to another usually. So that that's the way I like it. It's fun. I'm I'm really enjoying getting to know everybody. Mainly, I'm feeling more purposeful about this thing because I know we got a business that's ready to go grow and I know it can do a lot of good. and I know it can create a lot of jobs and I know there's a lot of people worried about what their future looks like. So um, this really is for me now full circle where I kind of go, Oh wow, we created a great product and now we have a full business around it. You know, now we have a responsibility to make sure it succeeds because it can do a lot of good. Sounds good. Um, the website is nextlinks.com. Make sure that you all go and check it out after the show. And I want to take this opportunity once again to thank my very special guest this evening, the CEO of Nextlinks, Dave Schultz. Dave, thank you very much for coming on, and you're welcome back anytime. And and uh, keep me posted on on, on what uh, what transpires uh, as the months uh, unfold. And uh, we'll we'll talk again. And like I said, maybe uh, through the magazine. And uh, through some other channels, we can work together on on helping uh, uh, get that message out there. Yeah, no, that sounds great, Ted. I, I look forward to working more and more together, and, and that goes for a lot of other people too. All right, thank you, my friend. You have a good one, and uh, stay safe. 
All right, you too. Thanks again. Bye-bye. You're welcome. All right, good night. All right, that was my very special guest, Dave Schultz, CEO of NextLinks. Uh, again, uh, you want to check it out, go to nextlinks.com. Uh, there's some great uh, information on the website, and there's some really, really good quality uh, videos that they've put up there, really giving you an overview of, of what you can expect uh, through that model. So definitely check it out, and you can reach out to Dave uh, on uh, LinkedIn as well. It's uh, Dave Schultz, and it's S-H-U-L-T-Z. Um, and again, he's the CEO of, of NextLinks, uh, and I'm sure you can reach out through the website as well. Um, I want to thank once again uh, Pete Buchanan, John Hughes, and Paul Castor uh, on the Coach's Corner panel for joining me earlier on. Guys, you did a, a great job, and I want to thank uh, all of you uh, once again. And uh, I will be back uh, next week with uh, another uh, great uh, group on the Coach's Corner panel and uh, another special guest. So I hope you'll join me here on Golf Talk Live. Make sure you go to golftipsmag.com, subscribe to the magazine, and you can also uh, on there, there is a uh, link you can sign up for the uh, newsletter as well if you're not already on. Um, and you can follow me on uh, virtually all of the social media platforms and also uh, the magazine at Golf Tips Mag. So thanks, everybody. God bless and have a great weekend and stay safe, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golftalklive. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live Blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.